0: Hey everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill. Welcome to Plain Market Talk. Today's Thursday, August 31st, 2023. Okay, right now it's 4.36 in the afternoon Eastern Time. Markets finished flat today. We had the Dow Jones Industrial Average down 0.48%. S&P 500 down 0.16%. That's that composite uh, up 0.11%. Markets were down for August about 1% across the board, but still up for the year. August-September is one of the weaker times of the year for the markets, uh, although not all years. so we'll see. We did have a recent rally. Markets were up four days in a row um, before today, so we'll see how, how it looks getting into September. Um, the big news today, I guess, was is inflation. Um, we had a big inflation report come out, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, this or PCE Index it's called. This is a report the Federal Reserve looks at quite closely, more than the Consumer Price Index. It came in as expected on a year-to-year basis. This is July to the previous July. It showed inflation running at a 4.2 annualized rate. But when you look at July compared to June, the numbers were up 0.2%, annualized 2.4%. Yeah, one, one reason, I've talked about this before, the Federal Reserve looks at this more closely than the Consumer Price Index. The Consumer Price Index has been around since 1913. What it is, it's a basket of uh, goods and services, products and services, of 400 products and services that the average person might spend money on. And it is weighted. People spend more money, obviously, on rent and a mortgage than toothpaste, so it's weighted on, on that basis. All right, but here, here's a problem with the consumer price index. One, it's slow to change that basket of goods and services. Even in the early 2000s, when Blu-ray players were about to arrive, they still had VCRs in that thing. Uh, they skipped right over DVD players. So, and it also has an issue with what's called the substitution effect. The, the way that works, if you're you know, going to Starbucks every day and buy a $3 coffee, and, and then one day you walk in and coffee's $15 for whatever reason... Well, the consumer price index just counts that. Okay, coffee went up from three dollars to fifteen dollars. Um, in reality, what would happen is people, many people, will just substitute something else for coffee. You, you go in, and coffee's fifteen dollars versus three. You know, you ask, well, what else do you have available? Well, we have tea. Price hasn't gone up on tea. Okay, well, let me, give me tea instead. Where. The Personal Consumption and Expenditures Index counts that, the substitution effect. The Consumer Price Index is starting to count at some, but they're kind of behind the PCE. So the feeling with the market is since the numbers came in as expected, inflation is continuing to come down. It, it, it uh, began to feel with the market as Federal Reserve may hold off on future interest rate increases, at least for now, until they can see the effect of their cumulative past increases you know, I've mentioned in the past when the Federal Reserve changes interest rates, they don't see the full results for 9 to 18 months. And the Federal Reserve's got to be careful. They don't push things too much and throw the economy into a recession. So we had that news. Um, big news from Taylor Swift. Uh, Taylor Swift is continuing on with the $1 billion uh, Aero, uh, Aero store E-R-A-S, um, and uh, surprised everybody today, announced that that... Um, her concert from the current tour will be released in movie theaters on October 13th, coming right up. Uh, apparently um, six shows at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, that's where the Rams play, and the Chargers uh, played the Super Bowl there a couple of years ago. Well, apparently, apparently uh, six of those shows were recorded for a live concert, uh, a live concert movie. There were a lot of high-tech cameras there that was noticed by the fans. But they also, apparently fans caught on. I guess at the Taylor Swift show, fans wear these light-up bracelets. And I guess they were extra big. The bracelets were, supposedly extra big, so they'd show up well on a, um, on a, on a camera. Uh, so anyway, but this is very unusual for a music artist to release a concert movie while the tour is still going on what has traditionally happened with the music artists, they, they wait till the tour is over, then they release a concert movie of the tour, usually on home video, uh, but releasing it while the tour is still going on is very unusual because obviously the danger is, would you would you have people then not buy tickets for the concert if they can simply watch it themselves at home, or in this case, a movie theater, so kind of unusual. Um, now. Supposedly, multiple stories I'm reading are saying that pre-sale tickets went on sale, I guess, today. And the ticket demand's already huge. People want to go to theaters to see Taylor. So we'll we'll see. That would obviously have a big effect on the movie industry. See, the movie industry, since COVID, it's still struggling. People apparently are willing to go out to the movies for the big movies. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Super Mario Brothers, um, Oppenheimer, and, of course, Barbie. But they're not going out as much for the smaller movies, so maybe showing concerts like this uh, could be another revenue source for them. So what we'll see. Uh, some articles are also making note of the fact that it's coming out the same day as the Exorcist movie, so maybe there's some attempt at doing a Barbenheimer, which. You know, as many of you know, where people went out and saw the Oppenheimer movie and then the Barbie movie, or vice versa, on the same day since they came out the same weekend. Uh, Both movies, by the way, were massive successes. And as I mentioned on a recent session, Oppenheimer now is the biggest, highest grossing movie in Hollywood history to never go to number one. Uh, You know, it it couldn't overtake Barbie any of the weeks, but we'll see. Uh, But yeah, it's coming out the same day as The Exorcist, so maybe the feeling is. People will go see the Exorcist movie and then go watch the Taylor Swift concert movie or vice versa. I don't know how much of that would actually be going on. But yeah, this Exorcist movie is actually a big deal. Um, this is a remake of the 1973 movie, which, on an inflation adjusted basis, is one of the top 10 movies of all time. Now, hope you'll realize that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Um, I'll give you some numbers here uh, as far as um, you know highest grossing movies ever and how we measure that. Uh, so let me get that. See, the thing about being careful when you hear a highest grossing movies ever, box office, this is something I've talked about in the past. Basically, box office is defined as number of tickets sold times ticket price. And as you all know, ticket prices have gone up for movies over the years. In 1960, it cost a dollar to go to the movies. So if you had 10 million people buy a ticket to see a movie in 1960, its box office was $10 million. Today, with tickets, will just say $14. I mean, it would vary some, but that same number of people, 10 million people buy a ticket at $14, that movie's box office is $140 million. So what we like to look at is a, a number of tickets actually sold. See, so we take a look. I'll take, give you the numbers for the top 10 movies ever as far as tickets sold. Now, one thing about these numbers, this is U.S. box office only. For worldwide box office, double the numbers. It's probably safe doing that. might even triple in some cases. See, the problem when some of these movies came out, there was no worldwide box office. But let, let me give you here the real top 10 as far as how many people have bought tickets to see these movies. All right, here we go. Uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is number 10, 1937 release from Disney, Uh, that is in its lifetime, counting re-releases, has sold 109 million tickets in the U.S. The Exorcist, as I just mentioned, has come in at 111 million. Yeah, I remember The Exorcist, well, what I remember about The Exorcist was, uh, Exorcist, sorry, I um, I used to work with this woman and she uh, had a misbehaving daughter. So at night she used to, while her daughter was sleeping, she used to sprinkle holy water on her, I guess to try to like redeem her. And it comes from the Exorcist movie. So if you've never seen it, the thing with sprinkling the holy water, you have to watch it. But anyway, Exorcist is number nine. So this remake of that 1973 movie is kind of a big deal. See how it works, 111 million tickets sold there. Dr. Zhivago 1965 with Omar Sharif has sold 124 million tickets, that's number eight. Jaws, I remember this. Nobody went into water this summer, of 1975. Anyway, Jaws has sold 128 million tickets. Number six, The Ten Commandments, 1956. You know, we got like three generations now. I think Moses looks like Charlton Heston. Anyway, 131 million tickets sold. Uh, now here's the top five. Titanic comes in at number five, 136 million tickets sold. E.T. Uh, came in at number four, 142 million. When I first saw this, I was surprised this movie was this high. Sound of Music, actually. Uh, 143 million tickets sold, but yeah, good movie. They're all good. Uh, here's the top two. Uh, the first Star Wars movie comes in um, at uh, 1977 Star Wars. Uh, that comes in number two, 178 million tickets sold. And number one, with 202 million tickets sold, is Gone with the Wind, 1939. So more people have bought a ticket to see Gone with the Wind than any movie in history. So again, U.S. box office numbers, double those, maybe even triple for a worldwide. All right, a few other things. And then today what I want to do, continuing on with cryptocurrencies. I want to talk today about some similarities and differences between Bitcoin. I'll use that as a proxy with cryptocurrencies. And the U.S. dollar, and then on the next session, I'm going to start talking about cryptocurrencies in much, much more detail. But to give you an idea, um, similarities and differences between Bitcoin and the U.S. dollar today. Before we get to that, got some news on Shopify. Uh, they've cut a deal with Amazon. Shopify is an infrastructure service, provide infrastructure for uh, online, you know, retailers. They've been at odds for Amazon with Amazon for a while. Anyway, they've cut a deal. Uh, apparently, through Shopify now, retailers are going to be part of the Amazon Prime network where they can put Am- offer Amazon Prime uh, to their customers, and I guess Amazon will take care of the shipping. So Shopify, uh, Simple Shop, S-H-O-P, they, they were up 10.8% today on that news, and so they finished at $66.49. So we had that news. Uh, and then... Um, Over there, a company that, you know, almost looks like they're about to go out of business for like the last five years, big retailer, J.C. Penney. Uh, They're trying to come back. Uh, J.C. Penney, uh, they announced today, uh, what they did, they got this new CEO a year or so ago, two years ago. Uh, He came over from Walmart, and I guess he used to be with um, Levi Strauss, Uh, Anyway, they announced they've got funding. They're going to spend $1 billion, uh, $1 billion to try and uh, uh, upgrade their store as well as their online shopping. I don't think JCPenney is a publicly traded stock anymore, though. It was JCP was their symbol uh, for JCPenney, but I'll have to check if there's any way to buy them. But anyway, I think they might be private now. Uh, But anyway, uh, yeah, so we had that news also, so something to keep an eye on. And as I mentioned, the big Taylor Swift news. All right, let's uh, finish up today, talk about uh, what makes uh, US dollar Bitcoin as a cryptocurrency. How are they similar? How are they different? All right, here's some similarities. First one might surprise you. They're both intrinsically worthless. What? Yeah, remember, we're looking at things from financial definitions. What intrinsically worthless means, they have no real value or use except from their role as a medium of exchange. The value of the U.S. dollar in cryptocurrencies are based on what they will buy. That's their value. They themselves intrinsically don't have value, but they have value based on what they can exchange for. So anyway, they both have that. Both are what are called irredeemable. What that means, they're not backed by some underlying asset. Now, I mentioned the last time, see the dollar used to be specifically backed by gold, but it is not now for many decades, although it's kind of indirectly backed by gold, but not not specifically. So this, those are similar. Third similarity, they're both digital-based, digital-based monies. What, what do you mean digital-based? I understand Bitcoin's digital based it's money created on a computer, but how could you say the dollar is digital if I have physical dollars in my pocket? Well, what I'll don't realize, dollars are ninety nine point nine six percent digital U.S. currency. Only four tenths of one percent of U.S. currency is in current. Our U.S. money is in currency form. I mean, think about it. You know yourself, or just think about others. How much money do you have in a bank account when you get paid? versus how much in cash do you have in your pocket, see? So dollars are mostly digital. So those are all uh, similarities uh, with US dollar and Bitcoin, intrinsically worthless, but their value comes from what they will buy. Uh, They are not backed by underlying assets. And for the most part, they're both actually digital. All right, but here's some differences. Uh, The dollar is is centralized control by the US government. Uh, The U.S. government can control the supply of currency that is out there. They can increase it, they can decrease it through the Federal Reserve. Bitcoin is decentralized. There's no central authority controlling it. On another session, we'll talk about why that's considered good. It's also considered not so good in some cases. All right, so we'll talk about that another day, but that's a difference. U.S. government um, has control of the U.S. dollar. Uh, however, Bitcoin is decentralized. Uh, also, Bitcoin supply is limited. There will never be more than 21 million Bitcoins in circulation. We'll talk about that another day. Uh, it will never be more than that. It is limited. The supply of the dollars theoretically unlimited. U.S. government could just start printing money tomorrow to pay off the U.S. debt. Uh, there, and There's no real limit. It could also decrease the money supply. Uh, the problem with that, though, is that if the government just starts printing money, it loses its value, which is inflation. So uh, that, that, that's another uh, difference there. So uh, one final difference. Bitcoin generally provides more financial privacy than dollar transactions now, generally. Actually the dollar can exceed Bitcoin in privacy in this case. If you have two individuals conducting a transaction and one simply handing paper money to the other, that is completely private. Uh, You know, there's nothing involved. But most dollar transactions are not done that way. They're done through electronic transfers to pay your bills, credit card payments, and there's banks involved, and banks have records of who you are. Where Bitcoin, as we're going to learn in cryptocurrencies, they go through a centralized exchange process, but there's actually a lot more privacy with Bitcoins and cryptocurrencies. Again, we'll talk more about that on the upcoming sessions. Uh, I also want to talk about uh, some upcoming sessions. uh, Why is Bitcoin so much more volatile than the U.S. dollar? I mentioned last time that's one of the problems using it as a currency. It changes value 2 to 3 percent a day. Uh, but we'll talk about specifically why is it more volatile. All right, so we're going to wrap things up for today. Again, Bill Thompson, T. Bill. Hope everyone's doing well. Talk to you again soon. Take care. See ya.